What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. It's back to our usual two. It's me and Sean Bernard. Sean, how you doing, brother? Pretty good, man. You know, uh, draft season's over now. The Brooklyn Nets are absolutely crumbling. We got that going for us. So, I don't know, sitting back watching, I feel like we're uh, preparing for an eventful uh, stretch of who knows what's about to happen. So, I'm excited. I'm feeling good, though. You know, nothing like an NBA offseason. It's the best reality TV show in the world. Yeah. Um, never fails to have, uh, you know, an exciting moment, constant drama. Um, and we're just getting into it. It's almost like this is the more exciting part of the season. Um, yeah. It feels like more people are tuned in now uh, than they have been over the last couple months in the playoffs. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff today. We're going to talk about the draft, obviously, the outcome of the draft for the Sixers. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, the ongoing P.J. Tucker Eric Gordon, uh, connections to the Sixers. We'll talk about, you know, some later stuff, Tobias, Matisse, things like that as well. But before we do all that, we want to debut our sponsorship with the Sports Displays. Uh, we, we connected with uh, the Sports Displays this week. Uh, it's a sports memorabilia and display company. You can get your jersey mounts, your shadow boxes, and all things of that nature um, at thesportsdisplays.com. Use our code PICKSWAP at checkout. Get 10% off and free shipping on your first order, use our code PICKSWAP. We're super excited about it. I'm going to have to get some stuff up on the wall, mount it up back here, get everyone checking it out. Um, so, you know, we're going to do some stuff with them later on. Uh, we'll make some videos. We'll we'll be talking about it on the Twitter. We're going to get everything going soon. But just to de debut it today, uh, that's the first step. So shout out Sports Displays. Uh, go check them out online, on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere you can find them. They have a Pinterest as well. I don't know if anyone uses Pinterest, but uh, if you do, you can go there. Uh, but to get into our stuff today, uh, the NBA draft, Sean, we all know that that's that's one of your favorite things to happen during the year. Uh, and after all that research, the Sixers came out with no draft prospects, <laughs> but they end up with DeAnthony Melton. So, uh, you know, going into that, going through the first round, um, it wasn't necessarily like that didn't sound like it was going to happen early on. It kind of felt like it happened pretty quick uh, in that draft. So going into it, just tell me how you were feeling going into that late first round uh, and then when they did make that trade as well. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. I think like the 23rd pick is pretty much the best asset that they, they had to work with as far as making a move this year, paired with Danny's contract, which of course obviously was used in the Melton deal. Uh, it was an interesting draft night, with, starting with Paolo Bancaro going first and just kind of all the way through. I thought there was a, a decent bit of surprise, at least from my perspective. And uh, I mean, the way I try to look at it is I think DeAnthony Melton is far more ready and a better player than anybody we probably would have got with the 23rd pick, which I think is important. I think he's a, a cool little middle ground of like a, a win now piece, but also he's still 24 years old and still has room to grow. I still think Doc will have enough trust to at least roll him out because he has some four years experience. Uh, looking at him specifically, I mean, last year he played 22.7 minutes per game, averaged 10.8 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists. 1.4 steals and shot 37.4% from three. Uh, excellent corner shooter, very athletic, a guy that will go up and dunk on a guy. Six foot two, but has a six foot nine wingspan. Uh, second highest steal percentage in the NBA last season at 3%. He also has 7.2 rebounds per 36 minutes, which is the fifth in the NBA amongst guards under 6'5, and shot 10.7 three point attempts per 100 perception. 
possessions. And to put that into perspective, George's Niang led the Sixers in three points attempts per 100 possessions with eight per game. So he shoots more than George's Niang from deep in that just per uh, per 100 possessions, which is a, a pretty good indicator and a guy that's willing to let it fly. I think he's a great kind of third guard in between Maxi and Harden. I think he's going to be a, a very valuable bench spark. I know we've talked so much about wing depth, but this is like a super valuable piece. And obviously the Sixers still need to address wing depth, but uh, I'm very happy with Melton. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. Yeah, I was I was pumped, man. Um, I know that there were a lot of good guys in the draft this year, and by no means would I have been disappointed, uh, you know, had they made a pick. Because, uh, you know, like you said, there was value there at 23. Uh, there was value later than that. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, Melton is like he, he really does fit a lot of the things that, you know, we've talked about the Sixers that they lack. Um, athleticism. You pointed out he can put a guy on a poster. Uh, he has a lot of them. Uh, just from last season, he's got a good list of posters. Uh, great catch and shoot guy. He shot over forty percent on catch and shoot last season. Uh, he shot really well from the corner. He's a great spot up shooter. He's a great uh, movement shooter. He can get his own shot at times. Uh, defensively, plus wingspan, pesky. Always, you know, following the ball. He's, you know, he does a lot of the things that the Sixers needed uh from this guy when you talk about you know what thibel does defensively he's not at that level uh in terms of you know i don't even want to say that because he he does he plays like a stronger style of defense which i know you and i have talked about a lot um and he can play you know he can guard all three guard positions or you know a one two and three because he has a long wingspan he is a, a you know a really pesky uh you know intense defender on that end um and he's smart like he's just a smart basketball player like you said he's young 24 uh just recently 24 so he's a full year younger uh than Matisse Thibel to put that into perspective um and I I think I mean I asked you this right when it happened or maybe the day after I said do you think he's gonna start um and you said no right not right away no I uh, you know make him too small I agree with you uh but I think there's times that he will uh, I'm, I think there might be some times that, uh, you know, depending on what else shakes out this off season, I think there's a chance that he does. Um, but I really love the fit, uh, as a starter, as a bench player, you know, he can kind of fit with a bunch of different lineups. I was really happy, uh, with the move. Uh, and I think he's going to be, I think Sixers fans are going to really like him. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people were kind of like, Oh, who's the Anthony Melton? Um, cause he's, he, you know, it wasn't a big name guy, but I think he's going to come in here. He's going to be a fan favorite and he's going to fit in right away. Yeah, no, I totally agree. He's been kind of one of my favorite players just purely to watch from a, a basketball perspective. Uh, just like in the casually watching Grizzlies game and everything, he's always been a guy that kind of caught my attention. And he will do some, th- do some things to catch your eye in terms of he'll hit a, he'll shoot a crazy step back three. Uh, I believe it was Derek Bodner tweeting that he got a little a bunch of woes from the broadcaster on like wh- whether it be like yeah. whatever he's pulling out or that kind of thing. But uh, I, I do think that he's going to become a fan favorite. I, I don't think he'll start, but I don't necessarily mean that he won't finish games. I think there's a chance that there's certain lineups that he absolutely will belong in. I mean, wing is still a super concern for this team. They have to continue to upgrade there. I don't think Daryl Moore is anywhere close to done with his offseason uh, moves. No. But like just kind of adding the splash of athleticism, adding like a guy that can just straight up play is huge. And like we talk so much about like wing being the need for the Sixers team. But truthfully, it's pretty much everywhere. Like they need to upgrade. They just need good players. And this is another guy that you're bringing in on a relatively good contract. Uh, he's his cap hit's gonna be at uh, 8.25 million next year. So like livable. It kind of reminds me of like the Seth Curry trade where we kind of just like flipped for a guy that's like a just clean fit from a skill set perspective. I think uh, Seth Curry was more of kind of a niche player than Melton is. I think he can play pretty much on any team, and that's kind of what the Sixers need. 
But I think like from that, the way I look at it is, is a guy who his like fit and his value will be very clear on the Sixers team. Yeah. And I think he like in a way, you know, when you talk about all these guys that the Sixers do have and what they do and don't do, I think Melton does everything that everyone does and doesn't, you know, like when you think about, okay, shake with, you know, he's a secondary ball handler. Melton can do the same thing. Floor spacer, like, you know, what Furkan's supposed to be. Uh, Melton does that at a better rate, uh, more consistently. Uh, defensively, you want, to, you know, a defensive guard wing. Melton does that, you know, when you think about what Thibel does. Like, all the guys that the Sixers do have, they have pieces of what they do. Melton is just super solid. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy that can plug and play at any point in the game with any of the lineups. He can just fit in. Um, so that's why I was, like, really happy with it. And I, I know there was a, a lot of people out there um, that weren't happy with it. And I think, you know, a couple months into the season, they're going to forget that the Sixers even thought about drafting a player this year. Uh, I think he's going to be, you know, exactly what they need at certain times. Um, and I just think when you when Maury's going through it, and he talked about it afterwards a little bit, I know he wasn't really allowed to talk about it, but he's just like, we, you know, we got exactly what we needed from this guy. Uh, yeah. You know, whether EJ Liddell was ready, ready to play or any of those guys were ready to play right out of the gates, Odds are they weren't going to play uh, because of who Doc Rivers is, uh, you know, and the logjam they have at certain positions. I, I think that this was just the right move um, for this team. And, and like you said, it's not just a win now. He's going to help now next year. Uh, he's a guy that they're going to have a chance to re-sign uh, and create, you know, a long-term connection with him as well. Because I think for their future plans, what you know, whatever that may be, like you said, he fits with any team. Uh, so mm-hmm. if you're looking forward, He's a guy that you'd like to keep in your back pocket as well. So I was super happy with it. Yeah, me as well. And uh, kind of like kind of tied together two points here is a like if you walk away with DeAnthony Melton, the 23rd pick, like you're thrilled. I know he was a later pick. He's yeah. a late second round guy. Very kind of weird college story is he looked awesome at USC his freshman year. Had a weird kind of academic. He he wasn't allowed to play his sophomore year and enter the draft from there. So his draft stock, I, I wouldn't say was like a clear a clear path to the NBA. But uh, and also Jaden Springer is uh basically our rookie this year like this is a guy who's younger than like 90 percent of this draft class there was a lot of 20 year olds 21 year olds 22 year olds even in this class james springer's just turned 19 he's younger than bancaro younger than a lot of chat yeah yeah younger than chat by a significant amount so that essentially is going to be the sixers rookie this year and we got melton as a bonus is kind of how i'm looking at it and i still do believe in springer i i uh he i mean he was a project when we took him at 18 years old but still the ceiling is just as high as it was then. And by all accounts, he's taken some massive steps forward. I've been impressed with the times that I have watched him at the blue coats. And uh, I don't think by any means docs can be prepared to like throw him to the fire. <laughs> he's a guy that I would like to start building toward playing some rotational minutes. And in the long term, I really do believe in his game as like a shutdown defender. So I think we have that to look forward to as well. Yeah. And it's one of those things I think with what you're looking at the guys right now and you only have so many spots for guys that aren't going to immediately play. Right. Like, yeah. so you already have Bass, you already have Reed, you already have Joe, um, you already have Springer. You have these guys that are around uh, that you're committed to developing. You can only have four or five guys on the roster because that only leaves you with 10 playable guys then because you're not really playing Isaiah Joe. He's not getting very many minutes. You're not really playing Charles Bassey. And you only played Paul Reed when, you know, you're in dire straits. You're in, you know, your last means right there. So um, I think this addition was perfect. I'm looking forward to what he does, um, you know, with this team as a a guy off the bench that just like doesn't suck. Uh, And even when one part of his game isn't working, there's a lot more to what he is uh, as a player. High IQ He's going to fit in, like you said. And, you know, Maury drafted him in Houston. 
yeah. uh, to kind of go back and create that connection as well. And um, that's going to be something we talk about a lot. Uh, these past Mori connections seem to have play a very big part uh, in the future and the framing of what this Sixers team is. Um, but before we get into that, you know, the Sixers had a chance. A lot of teams, there was a lot of movement later in the draft. Uh, yeah. It felt like there was a lot of, um, you know, I think a lot of people expected those first five to eight picks to be a lot of movement. Uh, interesting choices here and there. Uh, the Kings constantly sabotaging themselves. Uh, no disrespect to Keegan Murray by any means, but I think a lot of people are much higher in Jaden Ivey. Um, but regardless, later in the draft, there was some movement, uh, even around the Sixers, uh, you know, with the Sixers pick being moved as well. Were you surprised or disappointed that they didn't make a move to get back in the draft and pick another guy either later after their first round pick or into the second round? Yeah, not surprised. Uh, I think Maury was pretty content with uh, just doing what he did and basically making zero picks in that, which is essentially exactly what he did. Uh, but as far as what I hoped, the one that does tug at my heartstrings is EJ Liddell, uh, dropping all the way to 41 to go to the Pelicans. I think this guy is pretty much as NBA ready as they come. I don't think he's any walking superstar by any means, but I think he's going to be an effective role player for many years, many years in the league. So uh, I would have loved to even, I know it like we all like have attachment to these guys, but if it was like trade Isaiah Joe to hop back in the second round, like I would be cool with that. Essentially trading Isaiah Joe for like EJ Liddell there. That makes total sense in my mind. So uh, maybe that wasn't remotely on the table. Maybe there was no interest. Maybe there like it just wasn't possible or wasn't in the finances. I think finances are pretty much driving most of the decisions right now based on how tight against the cap the Sixers are. So that definitely could have had something to play with it as well. But I would have loved to have just gone in and get like Liddell in that early second portion. Yeah, I would have. I wouldn't have hated it either. Um, again, I think that the idea of this offseason is going to be. Um... You know, the, again, the young guys aren't a priority at this point, really. Um, not that EJ Liddell is necessarily a younger guy. Like he, you know, he played all four years at, at Ohio State. So uh, a guy that was NBA ready. And I think if they were going to make a selection, that's why he was, you know, higher up on my board is just a guy that could come in and play right away. Um, but there's been a lot going on. Um, it's almost guaranteed that this is not the only move uh, that Maury will make this offseason. There's a lot of moving parts right now. There's been a lot of interest on a lot of different sides. Um, most notably for PJ Tucker in a uh, reported three-year, thirty million, uh, 10, 10 million a year type deal. Um, you know they had interest in Eric Gordon as well. So before we get into PJ Tucker, so they allegedly uh, had tried to make a similar deal for Eric Gordon as they did for DeAnthony Melton. Had you would you have been as uh, excited about that move had it happened uh, the same way, same Danny Green and twenty-three? Uh, for Eric Gordon as you are for uh, Melton or would you have been a little bit uh, more disappointed with that one yeah no I would rather have Melton uh, I think uh, Eric Gordon obviously I've, first off I think people are giving Maury too much for this like recreate the Rockets team which I mean a obviously I wish there was more creativity I wish there was a little bit yeah. outside the box thinking but at the same time like people aren't giving this Rockets team like as much respect as they really have earned. Like this was a team that took the greatest team of all time, Golden State team to a seven game series that they've gotten as close as the Sixers have gotten to win a championship. Uh, and I get like all these guys are older. It's not the same situation, but the biggest like difference is that Joel Embiid is on this roster. So <laughs> yeah. Surrounding pieces a that, little bit. Yeah, for sure. So surrounding <laughs> like guys like Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, extremely well with both Joel Embiid and James Harden to me it's still appealing now granted I, I just said I would rather have DeAnthony Mountain because I would because he's 24 years yeah. old I think he's awesome and I think he brings an element to this team that they're missing even more than guys that are just clean three-point shooters catch and shoot guys and the way Melton defends I think is super important to this team the way he rebounds I think is going to be very valuable so I'm very happy with deal I'm glad he pulled the trigger with that rather than uh, a Gordon move 
Uh, but I, I don't think that that story is over. Yeah, me either. And I think to, to look at it from a different perspective as well is um, – yeah, Gordon is going to make $20 million this year. So yeah. uh, when you think about what they add to this team, I mean, Gordon, I think is a more like, uh, I don't even know. I want to say like a respected shooter, but like Melton, Melton has it. Uh, Melton can shoot the basketball. Like it's pretty yeah. flat right there. And he's only gotten better every year uh, in the league. So, um, but I mean, Gordon, Gordon has a longer track record of shooting still a, a quality defender. He has the age factor to him. Um, he can still boogie a little bit. So, you know, I wouldn't have been upset with Gordon. I, I think that that is still in, in the plans uh, or at least still in the uh, the cards, at least with with Maury. Um, and again, like when you think about familiarity, when you think about creating continuity between a roster, like adding a good defender and a great shooter alongside a guy that, you know, has a longstanding relationship with him as the point guard passing him the basketball and a guy that would create space for, you know, the best big in the, in the league. You know, I, who's who's being mad at this? I don't know, um, especially because it hasn't happened. But I know there's just there's a lot of conflicting uh, things going on out there. But especially, I mean, with the both of them, with Gordon and PJ Tucker. Um, so, I yeah. mean, as long as they weren't going to give up any like significant assets, I wouldn't have been that upset if it was Gordon. Um, Melton, I would prefer, though. And I'm happy that that was a move that they made. Yeah, definitely. It's there's a weird difference where pretty much every national writer, Mark Stein specifically, and a, a bunch of other names, uh, fairly reputable names in there, are pretty much like reporting that the PJ Tucker to the Sixers for three year, thirty millions is basically a certainty. And then you look locally to all the reporters and looking at the cap numbers, and the Sixers simply cannot offer that contract. Yeah, they just do not have it on the books. So to me, that's pretty clear. Like Maury has something cooked up and some sort of plan that like something's going to happen. And when like looking at the cap numbers in the guy, to me, it's, it screams like there's got to be a Tobias Harris move just based on like the flexibility that he needs and everything. Like the only way to clear this type of cap space. Otherwise we're talking about like, like D'Anthony Milton, Melton now has the fourth high or yeah, fourth highest cap hit on the team. So we're yeah. talking about, you have to move a lot of low end pieces Furkan for five mil Matisse for 4.3 mil Yang for 3.4 mil. You would have to move all three of those just to make this PJ Tucker work. Versus like if there's a way to shift Tobias around, if it's at all possible, I, I think that's the more likely. I know Mark Stein reported that he thinks it will be the smaller moves, not that the Tobias Harris uh, trade will happen. But uh, like Maury definitely has a lot in the works right now that I think we're going to be like finding out rather quickly. Uh, I, I'm okay with Tucker. I, I wouldn't say like I'm as in on it as I. So here's Joel Embiid specifically after the season specifically said how the Sixers need PJ Tucker. He specifically referenced in my name, talked about the toughness he brings, everything. Now, my interpretation of that is, A, Joel's absolutely right. They need toughness. They need a guy like P.J. Tucker. I don't think they necessarily need P.J. Tucker specifically. But I do think this is more kind of being like, all right, you want that guy? I will get you that guy. So I think there's an aspect of that that is going into this as well. I, I mean, James Harden as well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure yeah, James Harden yeah. is co-signed. I mean, if you get your two best players to co-sign it, uh, yeah. you know, that's... But it, it all comes down to this as well. This is conflicting reports also is that we've seen James Harden is almost guaranteed to opt in, opt in uh, right. and take that $47 million. But then I've now seen over the last couple of days that he might opt out and take a smaller deal. Like, there has been those kind of yeah. back and forth, and it's weird that you're getting the national reporting of, okay, you know, essentially teams around the league are saying P.J. Tucker's a sixer. Uh, it's basically happened. You know, the writing's in there. You just got to wait till July 1st so he can sign the contract. Um, whereas guys around here are saying, no, not quite. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen before that. I've noticed in the press conferences and the media availability that Maury has been a part of, 
he always does mention Tobias when when referencing the core of this team. He did it before as well. Um, I remember most notably he never mentioned Al Horford. When I, I think we talked about that when his introductory press conference, he you know really explicitly left him out. Um, but I think in in this situation, it almost makes more sense to say, okay, Tobias is part of our core. Tobias is our our part of our plan going forward. Tobias is going to be, you know, we are fitting this team around these guys. It's it's James, it's Joel, it's Tyrese, and it's Tobias. Um, which, again, I don't know. We're, you know, these are things that, I, who knows what's going to happen. I think that's the biggest thing right now. I think there are three guys that are safe. I mean, four if you count Melton. But I think there are three guys that are safe right now. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else on this roster that should be chilling. Because I think yeah. there's a chance that all of them are gone. Um and I don't think like we kind of have built up to this offseason. This is the one, right? Like this is the one where they have to make whatever moves are possible to get this team to the championship. And right now they have the chance to make a big splash. And it seems like there's guys to be had. So I'm I'm curious to know uh, what this offseason looks like because it's it's open season right now. Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, GMs lie. That's part of the reason. GMs why lie a lot. And Daryl Morey lies a lot. Right. Like it's important. It's an important part of their job is to be able to stand up there and say, like, I have no interest in trading these guys and then walk in the back room and have a phone call and have an exact price tag for them. So that's just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. Uh, and like for this, offseason, I mean, first off, we've, we've been saying like, it's, I feel like it's this off season for like, yeah, now which is, uh, <laughs> uh, since we look, started this. Yeah. And looking at like this roster, just like the, the financials are kind of scaring me. Like there's so much juggling that can do. There's so much tied up in, uh, Tobias, assumingly Harden and Embiid. And I kind of have the mindset of like, all right, James Harden, like if you want to play with your boy PJ Tucker, one of you has to take a pick. One of you guys has to figure yeah. this out. And like, I don't know how much of that can be worked out behind the scenes. I mean, I, I'm still holding on a little bit of hope to the, the Michael Rubin loophole of <laughs> slide my fanatics deal in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take a take a veterans minimum and get paid through fanatics works for me. But uh, I, I don't know, like, I, I, it all kind of comes down to what Harden wants to do with that opt-in. And I get it's hard to turn down $47.3 million. I can never imagine doing it personally. But, like, in his shoes, I feel like there has to be kind of a, a common sense of, like, if you are actually bought in to being this, like, I want to win a championship, I want to build a championship contender in Philadelphia with the pieces around me, then you got to be willing to look yourself in the mirror and understand, like, what you have to do to allow that to happen. Because the Sixers' finances get – astronomically easier if he takes like a, a slight pay cut and we're talking about yeah. like access to the full mle we're talking about just a little bit more cap room for them to swing things and it just like that makes a world of difference so if harden is able to look himself in the mirror and take that everything gets easier but i'm not confident that happens yeah i was gonna say the same thing like even if he takes i mean quote unquote even um if he takes like obviously it's like eight million dollars is a lot of money but if you take an eight million dollar pay cut ten million dollar pay cut for you know over the span of you know, three, four years and you create this deal that's, you know, a Chris Paul-esque deal. You're not getting the max, but you're still getting paid a lot. Uh, you're still getting paid, you know, for age, uh, you know, the type of player that he is now, I think fairly. Uh, it changes a lot. It changes yeah. a lot. Uh, and it, it creates a much different situation for this team. Um, and I think the fact that he hasn't opted in yet, is he able to, he's able to do that, right? Yeah, he knew it whenever. I believe Wednesday at five is the deadline. Uh, so okay. there's the it's coming up fairly quick. 
but yeah, he can't. He also had the freedom to do it when he first was traded here, and yeah, he he gave the whole like I just forgot like the paperwork. There's so much happening, which I don't buy at all. Like that definitely. <laughs> no. was, you don't just not. forget about fifty million dollars. You're like, right, oh. right. So there oh, was something weird. to it there, but like that kind of thing does give me hope. Like maybe, uh, like maybe he's willing to work a little bit here, and I'm sure there's been plenty of conversations behind the scenes. I mean, Daryl Moore after after the draft said it's a love fest and that he's not worried about it. They both want him to be here. That he wants to be here. Yeah. Uh, and I also like I I'm still from the point of view that I do believe Harden has taken a step forward in terms of realizing like who he is at this stage in his career. That he's not like a quote unquote superstar grade A guy. And like I think the finances are okay to replicate that. And now whether he agrees with that or not, I don't know. But that kind of is basically the balance. I think the rest of the Sixers offseason is largely sculpted by what he decides to do with this. I think it's entirely sculpted, uh, or at least like majority. Like when you think about what is available, what's out there, free agents. Um, and now there's a whole mess, and we're gonna talk about Brooklyn in a little yeah. bit, but like when you think about what Harden is and you know he's been incredible like I want to give I do want to give him credit you know the the idea of James Harden uh you know the the myth of what he is as a teammate and as like you know going out doing all these things um I I don't think it's been as evident here I think he's been a really good teammate I think he's been um you know really responsible for you know being the type of player and the leader that he is um and you know I mean we're not going to get fooled by offseason workouts I also hated that I also really hated that people were like comparing it. I was like, this man won MVP. This man yeah. like is top three and, you know, three point scoring of all time. Like we're, we're not talking about Ben Simmons anymore. Like, please don't like, just please yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, that bothered me when we're like, I saw someone tweet like, Oh, the Sixers getting fooled by off season workouts again. It's like, dude. Okay. This is James Harden. This is hey, not, me, yeah, there's a little bit of respect here. A little bit of respect I think is uh, uh, due for James Harden there. But like, I think, I think he's on a mission. I think he is. Um, and I, I don't, I am confident uh, in him coming back as a better version of himself than what we saw towards the end of last season. I think that the hamstring was uh, something that was being dealt with. Um, and if, if him and Embiid, you know, going into a full season, getting a full season together, um, and then on top of that, if you're pairing them or giving them guys that fit their their style of play and they enjoy playing with, like if you're giving them PJ Tucker and they both love that guy and he's doing everything that they're asking him to do uh, on either side of the floor, you know, I, I think that's worthwhile. Uh, I, I think that speaks for something. And for a guy that, you know, we talk about toughness and, you know, getting basically bitched in the playoffs by the team that, PJ Tucker just played for right. um, and stealing their best, like their best version of the tough guy that they have uh, and just bringing him over here. Like that means something. So uh, I'm good with it. And I, I think I trust Daryl Morey. I trust their, their judgment. So if that's what happens, I'm cool. Yeah. And as much as like, I hate signing on to pay a 40 year old PJ Tucker, $10 million. <laughs> yeah. Like he still was probably the Heat's second most important player in the in the playoffs this year. Yeah. I would say behind Jimmy Butler, he was the most valuable. Maybe not from a production standpoint, but from what he brought to the game and the way he impacted the game, I would say he was the second most important player throughout that playoff stretch. And that doesn't even mean third. Something. Yeah, even if he's third, like still. Yeah. So I, I, he still does. He doesn't show signs of slowing down. Uh, and he's a guy, he does compete. Like he was hurt through a good portion of the playoffs. He saw his foot bothering him, him still fighting through. He does bring something. We have needed a PJ Tucker. We've been, we've talked about PJ Tucker specifically for a while, but it, like at the same time, it's like, 
I feel like there's other PJ Tuckers out there that yeah. like can do the same thing. And I, I do think there's something due to continuity because of like obviously the relationship with Harden with Maury and because Embiid specifically mentioned by name, which is why I think all signs are pointing there that this is so important on Maury's list. Because as great as much as I still fully believe in Maury, there's certainly guys that have their whispers, and you cannot allow that to ever get to Joel Embiid. Like you want to make sure that's everything possible. It's like I got you, man. Whatever you want, this is still like kind of your show that I'm running here. So uh, I, I think it's going to happen because of those reasons, but I, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I've kind of accepted it already, which <laughs> yeah, once, once again is kind of strange, but uh, I don't know. I, I can roll with it. It's also one of those things that I don't think it's mentioned enough is, is defensive versatility, like, and just lineup versatility. We talked about Melton and how he fits in. Like, oddly enough, PJ Tucker becomes like the most versatile defender that you have. Like he yeah. was guarding James Harden that entire series. And then he would get switched on to Embiid. And then he would get switched on to Tobias. Like, he can legitimately guard one through four. I mean, you don't really want him guarding your, you know, a point guard. Really, you'd rather have him on a, a you know, a three or four. Mm -hmm. But he's played backup center minutes. He spaces yeah. the floor. So you can still have Tobias and Joel operating out of the post um, because he's not going to, to demand the ball in the post. He's going to sit in the corner and he's going to wait. And if he gets the ball, he's going to shoot it. And if he doesn't, he's just going to go play defense. Like, I think... Fit-wise, again, I, I think he, it makes it a little bit interesting. You know, I'm not, like, crazy about it, um, but, you know, I think, I think it would be good for everybody. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of other things that, like you said, it's going to have to happen. Uh, Tobias, potentially on the move. Matisse seems almost as good as gone at this point. Um, I'd really like to see Furkan in a different uniform. So yeah. out of those three, like, who's coming back, who's not coming back? So my, like, logistics brain says, like, Tobias – has to move uh that's definitely the most difficult of these guys to move from a financial and just like n n i don't want to like say anything disrespectful to tobias but it's like it's hard to trade your contract it's hard to get a team to like sign on mm -hmm. to wanting to bring you i think it's gotten significantly easier two years remaining isn't like a too heavy of a weight for a team to bear and i mean we're talking about like look at the lakers contract with westbrook like he's been leapfrogged as the worst contract in the nba by several guys which i guess is a uh, yeah. something in good favor uh matisse Thibel, i still think a team is going to talk themselves into matisse i personally that would be the number one on my list for who needs to move just because like he's just too one-sided to ever can compete and contribute in a, a playoff series and uh especially with melton here obviously they're slightly different but i think he brings a similar kind of trait that is makes matisse more replaceable but at the same time like the two of them on the court together would be very fun so i i do see the appeal I could potentially see Matisse coming back and him being a guy where he's like our, our deadline kind of trade chip, the guy that we're trying to work there because you can still showcase him in situations to make him look very good. And in the regular season, he's way less of a liability than he is in the postseason. Uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe he gets better. I've kind of lost hope in that. But if there's like, if he hits like a hot streak of three pointers to start the season, then it's like, that is a very marketable player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, He's a guy I could see kind of being like our, our trade deadline kind of piece that we hold on to. But at the same time, maybe there's something that materializes before that. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's tough because, again, like you said, uh, I mean, NBA contracts are what they are. Like you're seeing John Wall right now, yeah. uh, you know, but you're seeing other guys like it's a weird spot right now in the NBA. Like because you see like guys like Miles Bridges, uh, he wants a con he wants a max. It doesn't look like Charlotte wants to really give him a max. Is yeah, he a guy that's worth? Yeah, DeAndre Ayton. Like, I think teams are starting to see like this type of guy. Like, again, no disrespect by any means. I'm happy for Tobias that he got his money, but like, is Tobias worth 37 million dollars this year? 
probably not to many teams. Um, yeah. So like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Um, it's tough, but the, I mean, the trade market is hot right now. The trade market is hot. I think, you know, I don't know it's whether you're attaching a pick or, uh, you know, if you are attaching Matisse and Tobias in the same thing, uh, you, regardless of what it is, I think there's ways out of this. Um, I don't know what the team is. I've kind of racked my brain a few different times trying to figure out who it might be. Um, and it's like, you know, again, you'd rather almost at this point, you'd almost rather just trade him for a bunch, like a few pieces, a, gu- a couple of guys that match the salary rather than, uh, you know, another superstar or, you know, trying to get another superstar. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I was interested to hear uh, the Hawks and Spurs have been apparently having conversations yeah. about uh, um, DeJounte Murray, but not for John Collins. Yeah. For I, multiple firsts. I think we we have differing opinions about DeJounte Murray. Uh, yeah. I think he's not that good. I think he's fine. Like, he's a playable guy. He's decent. Yeah. But I don't think he's any, like, he's not a move meter guy in my mind. I think he's a starting caliber point guard, but I don't think he's anything more than that. Uh, so I think the Spurs are kind of looking at it as a, like, this isn't good enough to build a franchise around. Let's ship him off, get some picks, and truly rebuild yeah. this thing. Uh, which I think is a, a fine mindset to have. I I agree with him. I don't think he's that type of guy. I also think he's a weird fit on the Hawks. He's also a very ball dominant guy. Uh, I think I think him and Trey Young are, would be a weird fit together. So I don't know if I'm necessarily all in on that either. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's spots where he could be way more effective than he would be in Atlanta. I'll say that. It's gonna be. An, it would be an interesting backcourt though. Uh, defensively, Murray is way more, uh, you know, defensive minded than than Young is. Uh, they're looking, I think they're probably trying to look to, to get, um, you know, to turn Trey young into the Seth Curry mold. He has to do way more off the ball. Uh, sure. Steph has always done stuff way more off the ball. So adding another, however, you know, Trae young far superior passer to Steph Curry. And true. I, I think his playmaking personally, I, I believe is the, the most impressive part of his game. So I'm, I I'm in the camp of don't take it out of his hand. I think the way that he creates for other guys is even more impressive than the way he scores. Yeah, that's fair. You know, he was, yeah, he was incredible last year again. Um, but maybe we're getting too far off topic. But what kind of the point I'm making here is, you know, the Nets are falling apart. Like Kyrie Irving, as of today, is gone, right? Uh, Except while we're recording this podcast, James, he opted into his $36 million option. Oh, he did. Which is crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. So while, yeah. we, while we were on the air here. So, mm-hmm. so he's looking for a sign and trade essentially at this point, right? He has to be. I, I I don't know what to make of Kyrie Irving. Then I'm like perplexed by. Uh, I he's going on like he, a social media tour too. Like he's commenting all these things. He's already, like tweeting at people. Um, he tweeted at Barstool Sports earlier. Like he basically said uh, he was on like the red carpet for the uh, BET Awards last night. Like they and they asked him like, "Do you want to be a net?" And he kind of like just laughed it off. And then he commented on a post that was like, "That smile means there's more to the story." Like. Is this all smoke? Like, what is going on? But then the Nets came out and said today that they're prepared to lose both of them before they go through the same thing that they went through last year. So, like, it seems like the Nets are almost just as done with him as he is with the Nets. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be way more behind the scenes that, like, I, I don't know. It's such a just he's just such a peculiar guy. And he tweeted out about like how regular people r- run the world, but like he something about visionaries and that kind of thing. And then he. I tried to find it real quick. Though. The last thing on his Twitter feed is just a gif of I know who I am, which just came out shortly after the, the op, that he opted in. But I don't know. It sounded like he was good as gone all morning. I was hearing a ton of reports of 
that the him signing with the Lakers on the MLE was sounding likely, which Dude, would could crazy. you imagine? Would have been crazy. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I, I, I would assume that it's not over in Brooklyn. I think he's probably still in search of a, a new destination, a new deal. That gives Brooklyn more leverage for sure. The fact that he opted in that like when you're normally when you're kind of working a sign and trade, you're pretty much at the the a disadvantage and kind of at the the liberty of a player because you kind of you're working together with them rather than you trading a guy. If he opted in, uh, I I was trying to read real quick as we were on, so I don't have the full details, but I believe he's eligible to be traded all across with some more open cap options. So basically it opens the Nets to get a more win-now package in return. The Nets are not in a good spot. They they have three first-round picks in the next 10 years. They if, if these two walked away, and earlier today was being reported that like they were prepared to lose both, like yeah. they're over as a franchise. Like I don't know where yeah. you can go from there. So – I guess Kyrie opting back in gives them a little bit of hope, but what a strange situation. Yeah, very strange. Uh, it's nice, though. It's nice I, to I see them it. struggle. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's nice to see uh, them kind of uh, battle with those two guys. Um, but, like, if Kyrie goes, I guess it depends on what the return is for Kyrie. Uh, if they're able to get, a, you know, some pieces and some players that they like, that they're able to compete with, maybe KD does stay. Uh, and try to work things out but it seems like kd might be uh you know headed out of here chad johnson chad ochocinco like he was like i was just having conversation with kd like what is going on why is (laughs) why is chad johnson reporting on what kevin durant's doing this offseason like that's what i mean though like and we kind of referenced that at the beginning of the pod like this is going to be a weird offseason this is i mean all the off seasons are getting weirder but like there's a lot of guys that are almost inevitably on the move but nobody has any idea where they're gonna go so like i think and i think daryl morey thrives in that type of environment i think he likes the chaos i think he wants to to be you know the kind of backdoor guy in this situation where you know what if KD wants to leave? What if one of these guys wants out and you can, you know, kind of move on from Tobias and get a guy like that? I mean, the odds are the Nets are not going to take a Tobias-centered package for Kevin Durant. We're not even going to bother talking about it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is there are some things there. You know, there's some reason to believe that they can make a splash. It looks like Bradley Beal is going to opt back in uh, or sign or opt out and then sign a long-term deal with Washington. So I don't know, man. It's going to be weird. Yeah, and I, I don't think the Tobias for Kevin Durant will happen, but like maybe a Tobias for like John Collins kind of structure and framework, something like that. I do think it could be on the table, and like the Hawks have seemed desperate to trade him, and that's a guy who a one for one deal, and obviously it would take more, and there would be some more complicated situation there. But like I think that's an upgrade in my mind. I, I've been a John Collins guy, I like what he does athletically, yeah. defensively. Uh, not a great three-point shooter. A lot of the similar concerns with Tobias, but I think he just brings more to the table in terms of what he does well. So I don't know. There's stuff that could be happening. Uh, we hope Maury is puppeteering things behind the strings right now. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we sit back, watch Madness ensue, and, and see who comes out on top here. Yeah, hopefully, man. And again, like, you know, we kind of, we, we almost, I almost forget that like three and four team deals happen in this league. You know, so if there's a team willing to take on Tobias's contract and you can work a way around that, that is that is not just possible. That's like way more realistic to believe that one of those type of things will happen where, you know, Tobias isn't going to the team that the Sixers are return, getting a returning player for. So I don't know. I think I, I don't know. I've been so back and forth on it. When I hear more talk about it, I'm like, OK, Tobias is back. But then I'm like, that's what he wants me to think. Right. So I'm not going to buy in yet. Uh, I think Matisse is gone. I really doubt that Furkan comes back. 
um, and plays like you just I don't even know what you do with with Furkan. I don't even know what goes on from here. Um, I think Niang is back. Um, you know, un- unless they are dumping all three of those guys to try to create the, the space for PJ Tucker, but I think Niang is back, and I think him in a more limited role later in the season is is more likely. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be weird, but I, I think they're gonna figure it out. I'm excited for it. I don't know if you're as ex- like I'm like ready for that part of the the year to start. Yeah, yeah. I think there's gonna be uh, one domino that sets thing in motion. I think it's yeah. gonna kind of how things go down. So. For now, we sit and wait and see what that is. Uh, but I do believe Maury has a plan. I think there's a lot going on and trust the process, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, as we always do. Um, so it's about four days away from the first day of free agency. So I believe that's probably when we're going to start seeing all of these things happen, when guys can officially, like you said, opt in or opt out, sign some new deals. Um, so that would be, what is that, Friday? Saturday? What's today, Monday? Four yeah. days, so Friday afternoon uh is when uh things can start happening uh so obviously stay tuned for that john if you don't have anything else we can kind of wrap this up here yeah no i'm good to go trust right. yeah absolutely man so make sure again you check out sports displays use our code pickswap at your checkout for your first purchase you'll get 10 percent off and free shipping uh you can hang all your you know your jerseys get your shadow boxes your memorabilia your baseball bats your lacrosse sticks your basketballs whatever you need um, you can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one. You can follow me at JS brain 17. You can follow the pod at PicSwap pod, actually PicSwap media. And then you can also follow us at PicSwap pod. Um, and until then we'll catch you guys later next week.